I don't care where I play, as long as I go number one in the draft. From the Erie Otters, Connor McDavid. From the London Knights, Mitch Marner. From the Western Hockey League's Brandon Wheat Kings, Nolan Patrick. This is Tracking the Draft with Craig Button. He checks an enormous amount of boxes. Nobody in this draft did more with less. I absolutely love him. It's not his skills that anybody's concerned about. It's that playing attitude. And quite frankly, it's really poor. Speeding towards the future of the NHL. From the U.S. Development Program, Jacob Truba. From Faryastad of the Swedish Elite League, Jonas Brodin. From the Boston U Terriers, Brady Kachuk. He could play in the NHL next year. He's one of those guys. Here's your host, Dean Millard. Hello there and welcome to Season 2, Episode 6 of Tracking the Draft with Craig Button. The Director of Scouting for TSN will be along shortly. And a reminder, the stars of tomorrow are discovered here. Uh, normally how we do things is we get into a top-shelf talent player, a guy drafted or ranked rather in the top 40 on the Craigslist, and then we go to the next wave, and that's anybody ranked outside that's uh, slated to go in rounds two through seven or beyond, and then we do a time machine segment where we take a player ranked uh, or prospect for the 2021 draft, relate it back in time to a player from Craig's past, and then take a trip ahead in time at the look at the 2022 draft. But there's not a lot of leagues going on right now, more and more shutting down. So we're doing mini profiles of three players that we will get to uh, on this program today. And then we are looking at what's going on right now at Canada's World Junior Camp. And of course, this changes rapidly. So the information we give you may have changed uh, by the time uh, you get to uh, listen or watch this. Uh, this is being recorded on uh, Wednesday, November 25th. So uh, we're going to talk about uh, Brennan Othman today of uh, Flint, James Malatesta of the Quebec Ramparts, and Isaac Rosen of Lexand in Sweden, as well as discussing uh, some storylines, key storylines, when it comes to the World Junior Hockey Championship. And Craig joins us courtesy of the UFFS Hotline. It's the ultimate franchise fantasy sports platform, the most realistic fantasy platform out there. Uh, we already have the ultimate fantasy hockey league going under this platform, and there is expansion on the way. An AHL league on the way. Maybe a KHL league on the way. Who knows? In this format, you own the game, so get in the game. And also... There's a scouting platform, so you can start looking at the same players that Craig Button does. Check it out at www.uffsports.com. And as mentioned, get in the game where you own the game. All right, let's bring in Craig Button right now. Director of Scouting for TSN, former GM of the Calgary Flames, and a Stanley Cup champion with the Dallas Stars. Plus, he's a sharp-dressed man with a heart of gold and a passion to match it. Craig Button. 
Craig, it is uh, good to chat with you once again. But, uh, man, uh, there is a lot going on, uh, especially when it comes to the World Junior Camp, which you have been spending a lot of time at. Uh, there was supposed to be a game on Tuesday. Uh, that was scrapped. Um, I, I guess just, uh, you know, we're, we're recording this on Wednesday around noon, so lots can change in an instant, and it, and it does. But what's the latest with the World Junior Camp and what's going on with the COVID-19 situation? Well, I mean, number one is is that this is all about protocols. I mean, number one, uh, you know, everything that Hockey Canada has implemented with respect to testing and protocols and uh, along with Alberta Health Services is first and foremost the, the priority. And, you know, we saw it uh, on Saturday when a, when, a, when a member of the staff had tested positive. They, they immediately put people in isolation. You know, you saw on Tuesday two positive tests returned immediately, everything canceled, all activities shut down as they go through the critical part of contact tracing. Who, 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 was, who was near these players? How many of them? Was it everybody? Was it a few? Whatever it was. And, you know, those are the protocols that have to be adhered to. And, and, there's, and there's no shortcuts to them. So th that's where Hockey Canada finds themselves uh, at this time on Wednesday as, as we tape this show. And, you know, they're going to have to continue. A couple of things you're going to have to continue to do. They're going to have to continue to test and, and make sure the players that are, that, that are uh, positive are quarantined. They have to continue to keep isolating everybody because they don't know who else could be infected or potentially runs the risk of getting infected. So until until they go through that and then go alongside Alberta Health Services to get the guidance, we're not going to have answers. Uh, I, what I will tell you is this, is that I, 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 I don't think we're going to see any of the university games on the weekend that were scheduled, and I, I don't think we should expect to see them. So now it becomes a case of, okay, what is the timeline? Uh, you know, we know that in, in, in situations like this, we're looking at 14 days, but could it be less than that? I do not know that. But uh, Alberta Health Services and Hockey Canada uh, will continue working uh, vi vigilantly at this. And, and it's another reminder of why this camp was so long. And, you know, Ryan Rashog of, of TSN and myself were in Red Deer. And, you know, we've compared it to phase two of the NHL return to play. And if we look back at phase two, players coming back into the training facilities, there was positive tests. There was facilities that got shut down for a period of time as the protocols were met with the idea that as they move into phase three, they didn't want to have uh, a risk of, of the virus being latent anywhere. So, and then ultimately to get into phase four, which was into the bubble. But, you know, that's not just something where you just go, okay, okay, we're through this period of time. The phases don't have a, bit, a defined end because you don't know how the testing is going to go. But without phase two you, and, and, and going through it, you can't get to phase three. Now, for the IIHF and the World Junior Hockey Tournament, you know, we know what the time frame is. And that's beginning play on December 25th, getting into the bubble mid-December for all countries. We're just nearing the end of November. And, you know, another example and, and, and just another emphasis of why this camp had to be so long. It wasn't just to get players prepared, get them back playing, competing where they hadn't been competing since last March in, in, in most instances. 
It was about the protocols that had to be in place to have a viable tournament. Well, and you said it, uh, they have to be prepared for anything right now. So health is first and foremost. That is the, yep. the first priority to making sure that this doesn't spread. Uh, and, and it sounds like that to Hockey Canada and, and the, the health officials are on top of that. So what do the coaches do right now, Craig? What is something that they can be doing? Obviously, you're not making cuts because you're not sure who's going to be uh, available. But you know what, do you, what does the coaching staff do right now with this time that they have? And, and I'm not sure even the interaction they have with the players. Well, uh, that's it. Well, how about with one another? Like, yeah. you know, like, like, you know, like, I mean, Michael Dick, an assistant coach, is in isolation. Jason mm-hmm. Barber is in isolation. Uh, you know, because of uh, uh, technology, lots of opportunities through Zoom, through Face, through whatever the medium you want to use uh, to, to talk and, and, and discuss things. They haven't lost any of that. So I would imagine that it's a lot of that and, and, and trying to talk about scenarios. You know, Hockey Canada as well. Has, has a really deep and, and, and very thorough database of information on these players here. Now, some players have a, have a little bit deeper database because they've been uh, in hockey uh, in the program of excellence longer. But make no mistake about it, they know these players. And so, you know, as you, as you, as you run through a, a, a scenario where you're going to have less time to evaluate players potentially, well, you're going to have to go and put more weight on that database, that database of information, that uh, that file that you've, you know, vigorously and rigorously built up over many, many years. And, and that's just the reality of the situation. You might not have uh, a, a, a different opportunity to evaluate players depending on the extent of this. So do I believe that Hockey Canada has the requisite amount of information to make really good, confident decisions about who should be on their team? Yes, I do. But is it ideal? No. And they would be the first ones to tell you that. But we're not dealing in ideal uh, times. This is, there's so much unprecedented. And, you know, I think one of the, one of the significant factors in preparing your team and continuing to try to uh, move forward with preparations for the World Junior Tournament is also being flexible and being adaptable and, you know, staying focused, understanding, okay, this is a a setback. Hopefully it's a temporary setback. There's every reason to believe that it is, but you know, everybody can't just, you can't throw up your arms and just say, Oh, well, uh, what can we do now? Hockey Canada doesn't do that. And uh, it's not going to be any different here, despite it being very different. Well, and this year more than ever, there has to be roster flexibility for this tournament because even you know, you get into the bubble, you don't know what is going to happen. You just, there is just so much uncertainty. So for the whole, you know, players that, you know, maybe aren't on the roster could end up being on the roster just because of how things play out. I, I'm not sure what the IIHF has, has uh, determined with roster flexibility, but I'm, I'm sure there has to be some this year. Well, they have. They've uh, they've allowed for two extra skaters per team. Go, yeah. uh, so, so, so that is something that they've accommodated. Now, you know, considering... You know this this uh, new development with the, with the with the Hockey Canada camp. You know th- they may have to consider having more than two extra skaters mm-hmm. uh, available as you go into the bubble. But what but but what you have to do is have something that's reasonable that isn't onerous. And by onerous, I mean onerous on the testing, 
onerous in terms of the of the cost of testing. You know, and and you don't want more players or more people in the bubble. You want you, you know the uh, a comfortable number where you're not left short, but you're not uh, adding unnecessary bodies into them. I'm not trying to say that the players are unnecessary if you're extra, but that's something that they got to balance out and they have to understand. And certainly as we went into the NHL bubble and to the return to play, it was flawless. There was, there was zero cases mm-hmm. and they were being tested daily. And, you know, so hopefully, uh, you know, that's going to be exactly the same outcome. That's what you hope for. But when I continue to talk about phase two NHL return to play, this is where Hockey Canada is right now. Call it phase two. And what they're trying to do is, is get into phase three. And phase three is, is down to your roster. The bubble becomes really tight. The testing becomes more uh, rigorous, not more rigorous, but uh, more calm, more often, so that you ensure before you go into the bubble in Edmonton that you haven't brought the virus in uh, inadvertently. Because if you get into that bubble and that virus gets in there, there's one thing you can be assured of. There's going to be a spread. And that is what everybody's trying to avoid. The NHL did it exceptionally well. And this is exactly with the benefit of that experience. Because keep in mind, Edmonton, the Edmonton Oilers who are hosting the tournament, Hockey Canada, the IHF, they have turned to the NHL. And they, they have turned to the experts to try to make sure that the protocols in place to try to pull off and, and, and have a very strong tournament that can be flawless like the NHL return to play. That's the goal here. Mm-hmm. And the NBA did a good job too. When you get into that yeah. bubble, uh, those teams of uh, those leagues, those situations have done a good job. Okay. As for the on ice product that you were able to see while you were in red deer and you know, every Canada camp, uh, if there's a clear cut starting goaltender, there's a lot of talk about the backup. If there's no clear cut starting goaltender, there's a lot of talk about every goaltender. So let's start with that position. Uh, what did you see from the goaltending position from what you were able to watch? You you goalies, you always want to start with the goalie. It's all you well, ever do. It's, it's the most the important goalies. position. Like, you you'd probably you probably want twenty five goalies on the team. You probably yes. think as goalies you could play defense better than the defensemen and forwards better than the forwards. And in case of an injury, you just put them back there in the net, right? Yeah, yeah anyway, we're smart. We're smart. Yeah, oh yeah. There's no question. You're smart. You're smart. You're cunning. <laughs> <laughs> you, you you know all the angles. That's right. We Pun have to. Intended. We have to. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Uh, you know, yeah, you'd like to, uh, I think any team would like to say, hey, listen, we got Carter Hart. There's our starter, right? Mm-hmm. Well, there's, there's no Carter Hart available this year. That's okay. But like last year, you evaluate and you evaluate and you evaluate. You know, Jason LaBarber, who's a terrific goaltending coach, I watched him work with the goaltenders. I watched him spend – and then you go and watch how they, uh, you know, apply the different things he's trying to impress upon them. And – that's ultimately what you're trying to do in the goaltending position. You're trying to instill confidence in the coaching staff because if you instill confidence in the coaching staff, you, you know you can be rest assured that you've instilled confidence in your teammates and your team. So Canada doesn't need spectacular goaltending to win the gold medal. But what they do need, and this is always, you need a nice, steady, even hand, composure, poise, calm. And that's what the goaltender's task is when they get into the net, whether it be in practice, whether it be in the intra-squad games, whether it be in exhibition games. That is what you have to do. 
And, you know, as you, as you watch the tournament, I mean, Devin Levi has not had an opportunity uh, to practice. He is, so, he, you know, he doesn't, he hasn't been able to show everybody, hey, this is what you got with me. But when you watch the other four goaltenders, and in the case of two of them, Taylor Gauthier and Brett Brochu, who, who got four and a half periods of inch-squad play, you know, it, it, it's important for them to, to, to just show. So Brett Brochu plays half a game on Saturday, plays the full game on Sunday. Nothing accidental about his game. Nothing. Everything is, is sound. Everything is calm. And there's going to be different moments that you're, you're, you're going to evaluate maybe a little bit harder. And the scrimmage Sunday evening, the Red were behind 4-1. to one. They came out at the beginning of the third period and scored two goals uh, within a minute of each other. And now it's a 4-3 game instead of a three-goal game. Now let's see what Mr. Uh, Brochu is capable of doing. Well, I'll tell you what he did. He shut the door completely. Mm -hmm. And not only that, he, he, he didn't give a sniff that you were going to get another goal by him. And so that's what you got to do. Taylor Gauthier is an athletic goaltender who competes uh, fantastically in the net. And, you know, you're always going to look at goaltenders and say, okay, that, that one, you know, he couldn't do anything about. That one, he could have done a better job. That one, he should have stopped. I think there's three categories if you just be simple about it. But I think Taylor, in, in his four and a half periods, demonstrated that he's capable. And, you know, the, the unfortunate thing for Tristan Lennox and uh, uh, Dylan Garand is that they didn't have an opportunity to have the full game and Devin Levi hasn't had a chance at, a, at, 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 a, at, at the net in a scrimmage or a practice. So, you know, again, you may have to go back to your database of information and what, what have these players shown us. And, you know, it, it may, if you don't have, if you don't, it may come down to the four and a half periods that the coaching staff have to make a decision because you don't have any other opportunity to evaluate or to any great extent. But that's what, that's what I'm, that's what I'm looking for with these goaltenders. I think their defense group is excellent. I don't think they're going to give up a lot. So make sure as a goaltender, you just do your part in the net. Don't have to be great. You don't have to be spectacular, but you got to be steady, calm, and solid. Yeah, just uh, make that first save, and those guys are probably going to take a re take care of most of those uh, rebounds. Um, in the in the scrimmages, the the skaters like Kirby Dock and Bowen Byram, they they obviously stood out as they should. Uh, they don't really have to. They're you know you know they're on the team. But who were some guys, Craig, that stood out that maybe need to stand out a little bit to to get noticed? That you know maybe I'm not I'm not sure if they're bubble guys, but maybe they are bubble guys to be on the roster, or maybe guys that can maybe move their uh, their status up uh, by by a strong performance. Who did you see in the uh, in the scrimmages? So, so when you talk about Doc and Byram, and I think it's important to point this out, yeah, the, the, their place is assured on the team. There's no question about it. But what you want to see those players do, they're in a different, they're in a different, uh, uh, focus and should have a different mindset. It should be about building their game to be the dominant and prominent players they're expected to be. That's what I'm looking for from Kirby Doc and and Bowen Byram and Dylan Cousins and Connor McMichael, the, the, Jamie Drysdale. That's what I'm looking for from them. Now, other players, remember, like you come in, you, you might be a first-round draft pick, and there's a lot of first-round draft picks there. This tournament has nothing to do with your long-term potential. It has everything to do with your ability to show and demonstrate that you can help this team over a 10-day period compete for a gold medal. Nothing else. 
So one of the things that I hear it all the time, I hear it from parents, I hear it from agents, I hear it from NHL teams. I don't care how good that guy's going to be in a year's time. Is he going to be good enough on December 26th? And is he going to be good enough on December 31st to help the team compete? That's all that matters. So when you come into this camp, you better show that you can contribute to this team and that you can be a consistent contributor and a reliable contributor. That's as simple as it is. I don't want to hear anything about potential or you are a first-round draft pick. I know what the potential is. I know that what they were in terms of draft picks. So for certain players, you're coming into this camp, and it's not about why well, I was as good as that guy. You better leave no doubt that you were better than the guy you're competing for, for for a spot on this team because nothing else will suffice. Other players are going to come into this camp and, and, and they're going to get a great experience. They're simply not ready to play here. But that doesn't mean that you cannot take from this experience and show, hey, listen, I'm going to be a player here that you can rely upon, maybe not this year, but in, but, but, but in years to come. And, you know, you have 46 players in camp, 41 skaters. Guess what? You take 23 skaters or 22 mm -hmm. skaters. That's it. 19 are going home. So that's just the reality of the situation. So it, it's a competition, and it's a competition in practice. It's a competition uh, to, to demonstrate to the coaches that you're taking the instruction, that you understand what you have to do, and then being consistent in it over the course of the game because you're playing seven games, and there's very little margin for error as you move through the tournament. Yeah, indeed. So, uh... so when you ask me about bubble players and everything, like, I mean, like, so – you have Jack Quinn, a first-round pick to the to the, uh, the Buffalo Sabers. You have Graham Clark, who was a draft pick to uh, the New Jersey Devils. They're both really good scorers. They're both they're both coached by Andre Jordan, right? So you start to look at the team and you start to look and say, okay, you know, do we need two of those guys? Is there room for two of them? Is there room for one and not the other? So if your game is goal scoring. Well, you better show that you're going to get the chances. That's mm -hmm. what Graham Clark and Jack Quinn have to do. Peyton Krebs and Jacob Pelletier and Connor Zari, they're really competitive, smart players that can play all throughout your lineup in different spots. So when Andre Chorigny plays Zari at center, then he plays him left wing with Doc, and he puts Pelletier on the right wing and Krebs on the right wing, where they're not accustomed to playing, and they show a real aptitude for being able to adapt and contribute guess what they push themselves way ahead of the game and that is that becomes important for those players listen i i i look at this team and i mean i think there's seven forwards eight forwards that are that, that are absolutely assured of being on the team so if you can't figure out who you're competing with you know uh for for a spot on this team you're not going to have a spot on the team because yeah. the first thing you better recognize is, is who your competition is. And it's the same thing on the blue line. I, I think seven defensemen are locked and loaded. You got Byram and Drysdale. You got Harley and Schneider, Robertson and Cook and Caden Gooley. Well, I mean, if there wasn't an extra spot on the blue line, an eighth defenseman, I mean, you might already know who your seven defensemen are. So if, you're, if you don't recognize that, okay, that's the spot I better be competing for and I better show that I can do that because – there's nobody that's going to do what Byram does. There's mm -hmm. nobody that does what Harley does. Matthew Robertson's a unique player on the left side, and so is Kate Gooley with their power and their strength and their skating and their ability to, to really be fierce competitors that can defend. 
Okay. So what are you going to try to do? Beat out Bo and Byron? Good luck. You got no chance. So you better figure out what spot you're competing with. And a lot of times you try to tell players, you don't need to be better than Bo and Byron, but you better be better than this guy right here because he's the guy you're competing with. You're not competing with Bo and Byron. I don't need, I don't need, I don't need you to think you got to compete with Bo and Byron for a spot or Thomas Hardy or Matthew Robertson. Recognize your, your competition group and you better be good at, with the, like, amongst that group. That's how you make the team. Yeah, no doubt. Indeed, for sure. Uh, Craig joins us courtesy of the UFFS hotline. Scouting is a huge part of the ultimate uh, fantasy or ultimate franchise fantasy sports platform and the lifeblood of the UFHL. Any free agent goes through a scout. Uh, so you need to get in the game where you own the game and start putting your scouting talent to good use. Plus, there is expansion on the way. Uh, some AHL news from the brass. Hit them up on Twitter at UFF Sports. And, man, get in the game where you own the game. And, uh, you know, Craig, we're looking ahead to the 2021 draft in these mini profiles. And uh, you talked about goal scoring uh, a little bit ago and, and you know, um, how it fits in with different teams. Well, Brendan Othman is a left winger uh, with Flint of the OHL. I think he qualifies as a bit of a goal scorer, does he not? Well, I think you're so short. I'm a bit of a goal scorer. I mean, he, he, he's, a, he's a lot of a goal scorer. I mean, I mean, Brennan played with Shane Wright with the Don Mills Flyers in, in minor midget. He was, he was on Team Ontario at the Canada Games. Brennan Othman, you know, we talk about Shane Wright, an, ex, uh, an exceptional status player, and, you know, the skill and the IQ that he has. Well, Brennan Othman is, is that player that benefits greatly from playing with Shane Wright, but also, Shane Wright benefits greatly from playing with Brendan Othman, as he did. And so what, what Brendan Othman is, he understands, okay, I know I'm going to get the puck in these spots. I better get there. Because, Dean, you've heard me say this before. Like, when you, everybody says it's easy to play with great players and top players. No, it isn't. No, it isn't. It's really, really hard. And so, because those top players do things that very, very few other players can do. So if you can't take advantage of their tremendous skills, they're going to go look for somebody else. Brennan Othman takes advantage of other people's skills, and he also has a lot of skill and a lot of high-end skill. The, he, he, he's got great hockey sets, great offensive awareness of not only how to get open, but when to get open. And then the hands take over. He's got a real good touch in and around the net, but he's a player that, that that's really smart about making it difficult for opponents to mark him. You know, he moves in, he moves out. So you're always, low, okay, where is that guy? I know he can score, but where is he? I, I don't see him. So Brennan is able to keep you off balance you know, by himself reading and reacting and moving through the play. He's got a real fluidity uh, to, to, his, to his play, not only in getting open, but then back strike. And he strikes at the opportune times, which is what you got to – because if you're just going to stand in a spot, somebody just can come and mark you. Yeah. And, 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 and maybe the other your, – your teammates go, well, I'm not going to pass it to him. He's covered. Brennan doesn't allow himself to be covered. And, and, and if you're going to try to cover him, he makes it exceptionally difficult for you. The one thing I've always loved about Brennan from the first time I saw him play, he, he's a player, a lot of players use deception with the puck, 
Like, you know, they'll fake and they'll give you a head fake and they'll give you hand fakes and whatnot. Brennan uses deception without the puck. He, he, he moves one way to, 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 to make the defender think that's where he's going. And then he quickly comes back to the open spot. That translates to the NHL big time. And I think that Brennan Othman has significant big time NHL potential. Uh, he was also a part of that uh, powerhouse Toronto Bulldogs team that always comes to the Brick Tournament, and and his time in the Brick Tournament was the first year I started doing play by play, and 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 those are the guys that you remember from those tournaments that uh, just are one step ahead of uh, the uh, maybe two or three steps ahead of some of the players at their age group. And while he was born in Scarborough, he has dual citizenship, and he's loaned right now uh, to Switzerland because he has a, a, a Swedish uh, or Switzerland uh, rather citizen as well uh, we've talked about that, that in the past how is maybe playing uh, in Europe for a little while right now going to benefit him well it, it, it's different right so it's a different style of play it's it's a different uh, uh, the rinks are bigger the, the how you try to score on the bigger rink is different than on the smaller rink in, 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 in some ways not in every way but you know the fact is is that he's he's in an environment where he's playing and competing and because it's a little bit different, you're also learning. He, he'll learn things about why well, can try this because he is exceptionally smart, and I can. And I, oh, I'm going to try that when I get back there. And so, you know, call it the education of a player. I, I, I think it's terrific for for young players to go and get a taste of different styles of play. If you could do it over in Europe, I think I think players benefit sometimes from having different coaches mm -hmm. that, that that have different styles of, of team play and try to encourage different things for you as an individual. So uh, when you're young and, and, and you're trying to continuously build your game and round out your game and expand your game, I mean, I think this is tremendous, tremendous opportunity for Brennan as it is for other players. Okay, let's uh, move across to the uh, Quebec League, uh, which obviously the, there's been uh, a lot of shutdown and the, things like that with uh, the league. But one of the guys we're talking about is James Malatesta, and he plays with the Quebec Ramparts. And, you know, it looked like he had a pretty successful season. I mean, 22 goals as a rookie in the, in the CHL. I think that's very impressive. So what can you tell us about James? Well, let me just uh, pile on. It is impressive. I mean, what I'll tell you about James is, is that he's a hungry goal scorer. He's a determined goal scorer. He, he's a player that hunts the puck. He hunts the opportunities. And, you know, one of, the, one of the terms I always use in scouting is don't let yourself be denied. You know, every player is going to face resistance as, as you're playing in the game. You know, somebody's going to try to stop you from getting somewhere. Somebody's going to lay a body on you to try to, you know, physically, you know, stop you. Somebody's going to be smart and try to outthink you. So those are what I call, you know, resistance. And, and, and if you cannot push through resistance, and I'm not saying you're always going to be successful. So a smaller player, a player that isn't physically as physically mature, isn't going to be able to do it to the great, to the, to, to the best extent as to when he does become physically mature. But when I see players, ah, that's a little too hard. Mm -hmm. Ah, I'll try another time. That's what I say. You know what? You're letting yourself be denied. James Malatesta never, ever lets himself be denied. That doesn't mean he doesn't get knocked down on his butt. That doesn't mean he always gets to where he wants to get to. 
but he's determined to get to where he wants to get to. And as he gets stronger and, and, and that physical maturity takes over, he's going to be able to get there. And, and that's, that's projection, that's potential, that's translation into the NHL. Great hands around the net. And not only does he have this great determination and competitive fire to score and attack the net, He's also got that wonderful ability to find those loose pucks. He can be moving in one direction and the, and the play suddenly changes and he suddenly is able to adapt and change. The play, you know, a lot of times the play goes past the player. Sometimes it's just because you had no opportunity, but sometimes it's because you can't adjust to the changing circumstances. James adjusts to the changing circumstances. The other thing about James, put up with a really good, smart playmaking center, he'll fill the net. He'll fill the net. Well, and and I'm looking at some numbers from the U17 that he had, and uh, he had three goals in five games, three assists. So that speaks to what you're saying is uh, that this guy can also play with really, you know, a, a skilled oh. players as well as on a, on a club team as well. Well, there's no question about it, but, you know, he knows how to get open. He knows how to adjust. And, you know, he never gives up on a puck. He never gives up on a play. So if you're a defender and you think you have him, you better stay right with him because James is always thinking of the next play and the play and the next play after that. And, he, and he's got a motor. He's got an engine, a motor that goes and goes and revs at high, high RPMs. And, you know, that enthusiasm, that energy, and uh, as well as r really good skills serves him really well. And, I mean, I, I, think, I think he's a terrific player. All right, let's wrap up with uh, Isaac Rosen. And uh, I love uh, when when I stumble upon a guy who a lot of people are going to be like, wow, that guy's really small. Because I know you don't scout with a tape measure. So this guy is small at 5'10", 150 pounds, or 155 pounds. But I can't wait for you to tell me all the great things about him. Because I love small players, big players. I don't care what size, as long as they get the job done. Yeah, I'm with you, Dean, and you know that about me. But uh, here's what I'll tell you about Isaac, right? And, 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 I'm, and I'm starting to hear this a little bit more now. Ah, he doesn't play defense. Ah, you know, he doesn't do... You know what this is? This is me pulling my hair out. You know what? <laughs> Pull my hair out. The guy's a terrific skater. He's got terrific hands. He's got terrific offensive abilities and instincts. And, you know, he, he, he's able to play the game at high pace and high speed. He, he not only has quickness, but he has speed. And he has change of pace. And he knows this is right when I need to get open. Get me the puck. And, yeah, I know young players are not refined in their defensive play. But when you're growing up, and you're a dominant offensive player, and you have the puck all the time. And not only that, part of maturing as a player is that as you move up levels, you know, when you were younger and, and, and you, the, the puck didn't go your way, you knew it was only a matter of mere seconds before you were going to have the puck again. Well, as you, as you move up the, the, the age group and the levels, it's it's a little bit longer once you give up the puck. So you have to, you know, the puck and treat those situations with a greater emphasis. That's maturity. And that's where Isaac finds himself at this point in time. I, I have no question in my mind that he, once the maturity comes and as he continues to grow in his game, that, that he's going to put all of that together. But the, the criticisms that I think are unjust, unwarranted, and speak to tremendous lack of understanding about maturity – drives me crazy. That's why I want to pull out my hair. You know, you've heard me say this. 
I've never, ever, ever heard a team after they've drafted a player, yeah, we drafted him. We don't like his defense. Uh, we're not so sure about a, uh, if he's competitive. His hands might not be so good, but we decided to, you know, throw a dart at the dartboard. Really? You're always talking about what a guy does. And what Isaac does is, is very, very elite. It's not just good. It's elite. Skating, shot, scoring ability, playmaking ability, the speed at which he plays the game. Like, this is one of the things that I don't get as much of an opportunity, very little opportunity the NHL teams do. You go and meet with the player. So if I'd, I'd go and sit down with Isaac, and I would sit down, Isaac, okay, how do you see your game? Okay, good. You say, okay, here's how I see your game. What do you think about that? Okay, I can see that. Okay, it, these are areas that we think that you would have to improve to ultimately be a good contributing NHL player. How do you feel about that? And, and you're trying to get a feel for the players, not only not only his understanding of his game, but acknowledgement of the areas that he's got to improve on. And as long as I feel that the player is willing to work on his game, that he has the capacity to improve in his game, I got all the time in the world for that player. Mm -hmm. There's a difference between being a bad defensive player um, or, or maybe not being a great defensive player and, and, and being able to learn that and being lazy. You're talking about a lazy player that doesn't want to learn. Okay, yeah, that, that, there's probably not a lot of hope there. But as long as the player shows a willingness and is not lazy and shows that he has some IQ, you can always work with that, can't you? Yeah, oh, absolutely. Again, I'll share a story with you about Jamie Lagenbrunner we drafted in Dallas in the second round in the 1993 draft. Now, I, I can tell you this, Jamie was a highly, highly competitive player. I mean, unbelievable competitiveness. So he, 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 goes, he goes and plays in Peterborough. He turns pro with Kalamazoo in the IHL. And early on, you know, a part of my job was development and working with the younger players with respect to going in, monitoring them, working with them. Well, again, when I talk about giving up the puck, you know, when you're when you're at levels, you know, the time frame of you being without the puck after you give it up is, is, is short. But as you move up the levels, it becomes longer and longer. So you got to treat them. So I, I remember it was early on in his rookie year there. I don't know if it was 15 games in or 25 games in. But Jamie kept not being real strong on the puck. And it wasn't that he wasn't capable of being strong on the puck. It was like, okay, I, I, I didn't really bear down there, and but I'm going to get the puck back. And I remember sitting down with him and telling him, I said, Jamie, you, you're used to having the puck all the time. And if you don't have it, you're going to have it back real quickly. This isn't how it works here. And if you don't get this area of your game under, under wraps and, and really treat it significantly, you're going to have a tough time advancing your game. Because... To get to the NHL and stay in the NHL, again, use words like reliable consistency. Reliable consistency. That's when the puck comes your way, you're going to find a way to corral that puck and own the puck. Own it. I never had a problem. Jamie never had a problem with competitiveness. What we had to do was let him know this is what he has to emphasize. That's maturity. Jamie got it that quick. The law NHL player. <laughs> very useful NHL player. And that's the little things that you talk about, Dean, that are essential to development. And you're right. Just because you're not a good defensive player and just because people want to label you a certain way, Jamie was never lazy. He just had to realize that this level was different and he had to put an emphasis on it. He's no different than most players or the vast majority of players. 
The ones that get there are the ones that do put an emphasis on it. The ones that don't linger outside the NHL. Indeed. All right, Craig, thank you so much once again, and uh, please stay safe in these uh, pretty scary times we're in. Well, they are, but, uh, you know, we all have to stay safe. We all have to do our part to make sure that uh, we protect others from ourselves. That's the key here. We're going to get through this. And, you know, where the light at the end of the tunnel is, the exact time frame, I do not know. But it doesn't prevent us all from making sure that we do everything possible in our powers to do what's right. Indeed. Thanks, Craig. Thanks, Dean. This is a serious message. Craig Button joins us on the Ultimate Franchise Fantasy Sports Hotline. Become a scout and make money while providing prospects to the Ultimate Franchise Hockey League. Would you talk about Mr. Pay that man his money. I'm your Check out the details at www.uffsports.com. It's serious. I like it a lot. I said we got a winner. you own the game. Always good stuff with uh, Craig Button on the program, and uh, you got a little taste of it there with the Jamie Langenbrunner story, but we will be doing Craig's Council. We'll probably do it halfway through the year, and then we'd always do it at the end. Well, always. We've, we've only had one season, but we'll do it again at the end of the season and probably at the uh, halfway point of the season. But from time to time, Craig's going to throw in different stories in the regular episodes, but in Craig's Council, it's all stories and scouting tips. So you have a question about, um, you know, how to scout a particular player or just in scouting in general or about a story from Craig's past, uh, please send us your emails at uh, trackingthedraft at gmail.com and we will add it to the list of questions that have already come in uh, for Craig's uh, council. That'll wrap things up for us. Big thanks to the Director of Scouting, uh, Craig Button from TSN. And giving us sort of the latest on what's going on with Canada's World Junior Camp. As mentioned, it uh, could change very rapidly as things are changing uh, right now around us. Uh, but the player profiles were great and certainly the things that he has seen on the ice uh, during the first few days of camp. And who knows when that will resume. And big thanks to you, the listener and the viewer. I appreciate all your feedback. Uh, please, if you enjoyed the show, subscribe and leave us a review. Or send us an email, trackingthedraft at gmail.com. And if you'd like to get involved in the show as a partner or a client or an advertiser, please hit me up as well, trackingthedraft at gmail.com. The stars of tomorrow are discovered here. This has been Tracking the Draft with Craig Button. I'm Dean Millard. We'll talk next week. (laughs) 